If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, I would like you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. And as has been put in the bulletin, uh, I I try not to nail myself down too tightly with giving dates of when I'm going to do certain things because uh, from one week to the next, sometimes the Lord will change that and I want to follow the Lord. Sometimes I have had it happen where Literally, I'm sitting in the middle of the service, and, and uh, I've sensed a prompting in my heart uh, just to change the message for the day. And so I want to be open to that. But I also, I, I was speaking to another pastor recently, um, Brother Julius at Lynette's, um, I called it Lynette's Don't Go Party, but it was, it was Lynette's farewell party given by her family, and I was speaking to him, and we were just discussing, he pastors a church uh, way south and west of the city, and uh, we were just talking about different things. He said, I love series because it keeps me focused, and I said, yes, I completely understand. I know exactly how, how it is, and it does. It gives us a focus. It gives us a path. Uh, all of us as a congregation, to kind of know where we're going uh, over the next little while. And I want to read the passage uh, of Scripture that I'll be dealing with in the bulletin. It says, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20, even though typically most uh, people will end the whole discussion of the armor of God somewhere down uh, at verse 16 or 17. Verse 17 is often where people kind of cut things off. I want to go through to verse 20 because I think, uh, in my opinion, and this is not a scholarly opinion, this is just uh, as you read the flow of the passage, uh, you can't really stop there. You have to kind of keep going because there are some important elements that we have at our disposal that are highlighted in verses 18 through 20. And I want to read the entire passage to you this morning, and then we're going to uh, get into the message a little bit about understanding the conflict that we're in. And I don't think that, uh, I, I, the, the one thing I certainly don't want to do in this message and in these series of messages is to elevate, the point is not to elevate the power of Satan, uh, because we know that he is limited in power. I want to elevate the power of God and the provision that He has given to each and every one of us to be able to live a life that honors Him and yet be able to take on some very real forces of evil that are in our world. We are living in a very difficult and desperate time as uh, as Christians. And yet I wonder if we can't just say like Queen Esther did as she was put in almost an impossible position for her nation. She said, I believe, and, and, or it was Mordecai, I believe, that, that said it to her, you've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I wonder if we are not here for such a time as this. I don't think we're, any of us are accidents. I don't think we've been born in the wrong time. I think we have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this, and we are fighting a spiritual warfare. The Bible says this, starting at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and going down through to verse 20, the Bible says, Finally be strong in the Lord, and in His mighty power. Put on the 
full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to, uh, everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you, will ext you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. <clears throat> pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. That is a lot to deal with, and yet obviously today we're not going to deal with it all in one message. I believe with all my heart that we have to come to a place in our Christianity where we recognize that there is a battle that's going on, and that battle is raging for your soul. It's not just raging for your soul, it's raging for the soul and the lives of your family, your loved ones, your friends, your co-workers. We are in a fight today. May I say this, I'm not trying to be politically correct today. I, am, I actually don't really find myself or, or bring myself to the place where I try to be politically correct. But I will say this. That in the world that we live in, you are not fighting Islam. You are not fighting some other religion. You are not fighting the, the political agenda of one party or another. Brothers and sisters, you and I today are in a battle that is even greater than that. That goes beyond that. And we have got to understand how it is that we can fight the battle and be able to win. The Bible tells us and lets us know, and Peter writes this in 1 Peter, I believe it is, chapter 1. He tells us that God has given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Don't think for a minute that somewhere along the way, what God has given you to be able to live for Him, to be able to stand your ground in whatever battle you might be facing, is somehow incomplete, because it's not. It is absolutely complete, and you can trust in everything that you have been given. I just read about what it is that you have been given. Now, I know that it's hard for 
us to imagine what Paul was looking at. But how many of you have ever watched some kind of time period piece where there was the view or the picture of a Roman soldier? You ever see something on TV? In fact, I want to say that recently, and I haven't watched the whole series, I haven't gotten to that point, I've watched some of it, but the History Channel had the Bible on it. And i got to hand it to them because they were one of the few that actually helped to stay true to the spirit, as they say, the spirit of the book. Now, when you look at it and you, you think, well, I, I, Scripture seems to put this a little further away from this event. Yes, it does. They're trying to pack the entire Bible into literally five two-hour you know, shows or two-hour movies. So they, you know, and they've taken some dramatic liberty here and there. But it, it, so far, I've been pleased with what I saw. And, you know, you, you look at that and, and maybe you've seen the Roman soldier, the view of him, the helmet that he's wearing, the, the breastplate that he has on, the belt that kind of keeps everything and holds everything in place, and the sword. This is literally what Paul is looking at as he is in prison. The Bible says, and we read it in verse 20, he says, I'm an ambassador for Christ in chains. So he is bound, he is in prison, and he is probably sitting there looking at this Roman guard, standing guard, and saying, you know what, what that guy is wearing, God has given us something that is so wonderful and more protective in the battle of our lives. He has given us something that can cover us and help us. But here's what we've got to do today. Before we do anything else, we've got to understand the conflict. We've got to understand the conflict that we're in, and that's what I want to deal with today as we look at the first three verses of Scripture in verses 10 through 12. It's important and vitally important that we understand the battle that we are a part of. Now, I've You'll have to forgive me for my sports analogies. It's just what I know. But I and remember in high school, and I, I don't know, we podcast, and I don't know, somewhere along the way, this guy is my Facebook friend. In fact, I just recently wished him a happy birthday on Facebook. The few times that I go on there, his name was Chris, a friend of mine from high school, lives now actually lives up in Wisconsin. But uh, Chris was playing in one of our basketball games, and I can't remember, I was on the bench at that point. I don't know if I'd come out of the game or what, and I'm sitting there watching, and one day this, I'll never forget this happening. Chris went up for a rebound. You know, the, the, the team had shot the ball, and he went up for a rebound, and he got so excited that he got the rebound, and all of a sudden, the team started to retreat. And Chris immediately jumped up and put the ball in the hoop. And everybody from my team jumped up and yelled, No! Chris had gotten the rebound that the other team had shot at their basket. They missed. He got the rebound and went right back up and put it in for them. He probably doesn't remember that, but I do. You've heard stories of that. All of a sudden, he had a lapse of, didn't know where, you know, didn't know which basket he was at. 
and that he was supposed to be at. He should have got the rebound, turned around, and thrown it down to somebody, but didn't do that. Just put it right back up, two points for the other team. It happens all the time. But all of a sudden, there is this sense of which the conflict that you're in, you, we get confused about. And sometimes there are occasions where we begin to score points for the other team. Somewhere along the way, the enemy comes in and he gets in and we forget that there is an enemy at work and trying to distract you as a believer. He's trying to bring all kinds of things. And the Bible talks about we'll deal with it in, in, in not in great detail, but we'll deal with it a little bit about his schemes and the things that he is trying to do. But we forget about the conflict that we're in. And brothers and sisters, we cannot afford to forget that because if we do, we can very quickly and very easily play right into the hands of the enemy. So let's, the first thing that we need to understand in this is understanding your conflict means that we must know our energy. You've got to know your energy. What does verse 10 say? Verse 10 says this, be strong in the Lord. I want you to see that for a minute and look at that verse of Scripture and just take it into your heart for a minute. Be strong in the Lord. I love the fact that in Scripture, when we read the Bible, the Bible does not tell us at different points that we are to be strong in ourselves. Because let's face it, we're weak. We know that we're weak. We know that there are things that we cannot do. There are times where we wake up and we're like, oh God, please, not today. I just don't want to face today. We feel weak in what it is that we are having to deal with in life. That's why the Bible says you've got to be strong in the Lord. Now, how are we going to do that if we're not going to Him? If we're not coming to Him to be strong in Him and place our hope and our trust in Him, we cannot be strong in the Lord. There is no way for us to be able to be strong in Him if we're not taking time to pray, if we're not taking time to find out what the Word has to say, if we're just going based upon, well, I gave my heart to Jesus 50 years ago at an altar, and I'm just going to live my life. Well, I'm a Christian now. It doesn't matter what kind of label you have. Brothers and sisters, if we're not digging in for more of Him, there are going to be times where the enemy will come in and he will do his best to distract and bring you down and discourage you and you will become weak because you haven't spent that time with the Lord that you need. The Bible says be strong in the Lord. You've got to know where your energy, your power comes from. It comes from the Lord. We could get into a lot of other scriptures about how people are strengthened and they are strengthened from the Lord. The word that is used in the original language is used in other places in scripture to kind of show that the strength that we have comes not from ourselves, but it comes only from the Lord. You've got to be strong in the Lord. You say, Pastor, I'm weak today. I'm not sure if I can make it. Be strong in the Lord. It's not you. You're not trying to find it within. You're trying to find it in His presence. A lot of the self-help books, I almost said the hell books, that's probably what most of them are. 
<laughs> Those slips of the tongue. <laughs> I got to tell you, that's scary. But, you know, the self-help books, you know, it's all about finding it within yourself. And, you know, there's, there's an element, an element of truth in some of what is said. But I find that you are to be strong, according to Scripture, in the Lord, not in yourself. Because let's face it, there are times you wake up and you, you just rather roll right back over and just go back to sleep and hope that it all disappears. We know that it doesn't do that. So how are you going to face that trouble? How are you going to face that problem? i got to tell you, you've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You've got somebody who is with you at all times, no matter what you're going through, no matter how you're feeling. You've got to know that even when Paul was saying it to the Corinthian church, he says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why? Because my strength comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from anything that you can somehow, you know, muster up in your mind. It's mind over matter. No, it's not. It's none of that nonsense. It is, I'm going to put my trust in a God who is all-powerful because I am not all-powerful. I'm going to hope in a God who knows what I'm going through because I don't even know everything that I'm going through. I'm going to trust in a God who is able to be with me every step of the way even though I know that sometimes I feel like I'm walking alone. You're not walking alone. There's somebody with you to strengthen you, to help you, to give you what you need in your hour of trouble, in your hour of difficulty. You've got to be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Where else does this energy come from? Well, the Bible says this in verse 10. It says, finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Verse 11 says this, put on the full armor of God. This is what the whole thing is going to be about. Putting on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, I think I'm a little bit qualified to talk about armor. And the reason why is not because I go around dressed like a Roman soldier every day. I don't have a costume in the closet. But in my past, way back, it seems like a lifetime ago now, I was in baseball, I was a catcher. You ever see a baseball game and all of a sudden people are starting to get sleepy, they're thinking, oh, the long, grueling baseball season has started, I hate it, I love it. I'm ready. I am absolutely ready. But you might hate it. I understand. Just stick with me, all right? If you hate baseball, if you hate sports, you think baseball is the longest, most boring kind of thing to watch ever, please just stick with me for a minute because it was my game. I played baseball. I was a catcher. Now, as a catcher, I did not go to catch what the pitcher was pitching to me dressed like this. Oh, I wish I had catcher's equipment, but I don't. I did not go dressed like this. I had, on my head, I had a helmet. And that helmet helped to protect my head. But what about my face? Say, clearly some baseballs got through. No, they didn't. I was just born this way. I had a face mask. I had a face mask, went down over my face. I didn't go out there with just the mask and the helmet. I had on what was called a chest protector. Just this thick, thick, tough padding. 
that came and was there. I also had on some shin guards because, as you know, a catcher, and I'm not even going to begin to try to do it because if I do, I won't get up. But a catcher has to crouch down and stay that way. Maybe that's why I can't get up now. I spent too much time doing that. But I, you know, so you've got your, your knees and your legs are exposed when you're doing that. So they put on shin guards, something to protect. If the ball comes through, hits you on the shin or hits you on the knee, and, and it comes back and it hits you. Now, I've had it happen that that armor has protected me more times than I can even count, more times than I can remember. But I can remember one time when I was first starting in Little League. All of a sudden, about my third year of playing Little League baseball, I decided I wanted to be just like my big brother Sterling, who was also a catcher and about 11 years older than me. I wanted to be like Sterling. So I decided I've got to be a catcher. So I talked to the coach. He said, all right, next season you become the catcher. So I came behind home plate, but there was a problem. My face mask is also supposed to, it's not just it's supposed to be this chunk of metal that stops the ball from getting through. It's supposed to have some padding, you know, to kind of protect, protect the jaw so that if the ball hits that, that mask and it, that, that face mask is pushed against your face, it's not metal against bone. Unfortunately, nobody checked the face mask and somewhere along the way, the padding had gone away. And a ball came in from the pitcher. This is just Little League Baseball. A ball came in from the pitcher, and the guy swung. And when they foul-tipped the ball, it's actually going faster than when it's pitched. So it now comes back at me and hits me right on the chin. And my jaw hurt for days on end because there was a little part of my armor that was missing. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that we cannot allow, the Bible says, put on the full armor of God. We're going to get into the full armor over the next few weeks and find out what that is. But some of us, we like to just leave certain things aside. Well, that's not as important today as, as people used to think it was years ago. Au contraire, I want to tell you that today, I want you to know that more than ever, the full armor of God is vitally important for you because the Bible says that there is an enemy who is out to attack you. He is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He only has one purpose, to destroy your life. And if we are wearing the full armor of God, we will have what we need in our situation. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, God has given us everything that we need. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God. Let me read the rest of that verse. The Bible says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. In other words, when you've got the full armor of God, you can walk out to the battle knowing you're going to be protected. God is going to protect you from everything that is going to come your way. You don't need to be afraid. You say, I'm afraid of this battle. This battle is too tough. You don't have to fear. You don't have to allow that fear to take control because when God says, I'm going to provide something for you to be able to stand your ground, you've got to know that it's enough. So we've got to be strong in the Lord and we have to put on the full armor of God this is where our energy comes from. 
We've got to understand where our power, our strength, our energy comes from. It comes from the Lord. He has provided, not only has He provided the power that you need to face an enemy that's trying to destroy you, but He has also provided the equipment that you need to be able to stand your ground when the devil comes to try to bring about His plan and His purpose. Now, the next thing that we have to know to understand the conflict is we've got to know our enemy. We have to know our enemy. Before any war in the world, and I'm not condoning, I don't condone one thing or another, wars are in our world inevitable because evil exists in our world. Wars can be started for crazy reasons, they can be started for no reason, and they can be started for good reasons. But either way, I'm not condoning one thing, it just, it's a fact of life. In our lives and in our time that we're living in, we have seen war. We know that the threat is out there. But in any war, if you are going to fight that battle effectively, you have to know your enemy. You have to know what they're capable of. This is why, for one, for one of the reasons and one of the purposes, many of the nations of the world employ what's called spies. Those spies go into that country and they try to spy out and find out what capabilities those nations have, what, what kind of arms they have, what kind of uh, ability that they have to be able to fight in a battle. What are we going to be faced with? And there are times in our Christianity where, you know, we don't like to talk about the devil too much because we are, we've got Hollywood's idea of the devil, you know? Just think about it for a minute. What is the earliest vision of what you would think the devil looks like you've ever had, right? A dude with a red suit, a pitchfork, horns, and hooves on his feet. What a ridiculous kind of idea. Not at all what the Bible describes him to be. We're not going to get into all the descriptions. There are many different things that describe the devil and describe it, but you've got to know who your enemy is. Listen, your enemy is not your neighbor. Your enemy is not the person sitting across from you. Your enemy isn't your husband or wife. Give him a nudge. No, I'm, your enemy is not here in this room right now sitting around. Well, maybe the devil is here. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. All I'm saying is this. Our enemy has to be known by us. If we are to fight effectively... If we are to win the battle, we've got to know our enemy. Well, who is it? Verse 11 lets us know that our enemy is the devil. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Who is the devil? That, that name devil literally means adversary. The Bible also reveals him to be the accuser of the brethren. It reveals him to be as one who disguises himself as an angel of light. That debunks the myth of the dude in the red suit and you know the pitchfork and all of that. It, it, he disguises himself as an angel of light. He is somebody who is against God, against you because you have been created in the image of God, and also because 
you were chosen to take his place as that great archangel of worship when he was cast down. You have now taken his place as somebody who has been called to worship God. And he hates the fact that you are in his place. You and I worship the Lord now. We can worship Him and lift Him up and glorify Him. That was Lucifer's position in heaven. The, the Old Testament reveals that he had literally, there, he was a musician. This is why I think the devil tries to use all kinds of music to get at people and young people around the world and young people in our world because if they, he can get the message, uh, his message through to them, then I want you to know that that will change their lives for the worse. We have to be careful with what we allow to come into our lives because there is an adversary, folks, who is trying to destroy, who is trying to bring down. And the Bible lets us know that he's the accuser of the brethren. This gets into his schemes. What is he going to do? We've got to know our enemy, who it is, but we've got to know some of the things that he will do. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said, I don't want you to be ignorant of Satan's schemes or his devices or the ways that he will work, some of the things that he will try to do. Just a couple of them. And it's this. The Bible reveals in the book of Revelation that he is, and I've said this, the accuser of the brethren. That is, he will come to you and he will accuse you of things that are under the blood. Do not ever let the devil accuse you of anything, but especially those things that are under the blood. Somewhere along the way, the enemy comes along and he says, you know, look at what you did 40 years ago. What kind of a rotten person are you? And you know, sometimes we, we sit there and we're like, yeah, it's so bad. I was so bad. And we feel this horrible guilt that we have no business feeling. Because the Bible lets us know that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to know if you're in Christ today, there is no accusation that the enemy can bring against you that has any basis in the presence of God. If God says you're clean, if God says you're free, then I want you to know His report is the one that you've got to believe. His schemes. Did you know that He has a plan for you? Did you know that the devil has a plan? I know we talk about, a lot of times we talk about that God has a plan for our lives. And we take great comfort in that. But we also have to know that the devil has a plan for you. And if he can get you to give in to his ways and his schemes, then I want you to know that his plan can become a plan that will be fulfilled in time. If we're not aware of it, if we're not aware, see, how is that even possible? I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Well, I believe that Peter believed in Jesus, and yet what did Jesus say? And I talked about it recently where, where you know, Peter said, no, Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross. You're not going to die. You're not going to. All of a sudden now Peter is playing into the plan and the scheme of the devil to keep Jesus from going to the cross, which he had to do to cleanse us from all of our sin and all of our unrighteousness. Now Peter is being an agent. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. As one of the little rascals once put, said, and don't push. I'll never forget that years ago. One little guy, get behind me, Satan, and don't push. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, 
The enemy has a plan, and he is trying to devise and scheme. You say, really? Am I that big of a deal? Yes, you're that big of a deal because you're that big of a deal to God. So therefore, you are on the devil's radar. You are there, and he is trying to bring you down. He'll try to distract. He'll try to discourage. He'll try to do whatever he possibly can do to get you to play into his hands and begin to manipulate the situation. And here's our response. Our response is very simple. No. What does the Bible tell us to do? It tells us that we are to resist the devil, and he will flee. It's very simple. It's very basic. It's not very deep. And it doesn't have to be. Why, why should it be? It should be something that we can grasp and get a hold of. It is that we've got to resist the devil and he will flee from us. He will run from you. Don't play into his hands. A lot of churches have individuals who play into his hands through some of the things that we talked about recently. When we took out the trash, you know, gossip, all that kind of craziness and nonsense. And all of a sudden, we wonder why within the body of Christ, there doesn't seem to be the unity that there's supposed to be. You know that within a church, the devil is not out to try to get you all to fall into some kind of obvious, grotesque, immoral kind of sin. Because he knows he can't do that. Here's what he does. He tries to bring division, to bring strife. He tries to bring contention within the body. He does his best to splinter the body. Spoke to someone recently this week. He said, my church, the church that we now have, is a three-way split, part of a three-way split. Think about it. People get mad. They get upset. They don't like this. They don't like that. And so instead of focusing on what it is that we're supposed to be focusing on and reaching out to a lost and a dying world, what happens is people begin to focus on the, the stupidity. They focus on the fleshly things. They focus on things that do not matter in the existence of a church, in the existence of body of believers. Look, there are any number of ways we can do our steps out here. But you know what the bottom line is? Who cares? Let's make sure that it gets done, gets done right, and eventually we'll have some steps that are not crumbling out here. But you know what? If we all of a sudden as a church, we begin to get nitpicky about well, how it's supposed to be and how the rug, oh, look at the rug and what's, you know, what's all of those things. That's all distractions, folks. Those are all things that create some kind of a, some kind of a division, some kind of a, a splintering within the body of Christ. We cannot allow that kind of thing to happen because that is part of the scheme of the enemy. He wants to divide. So we've got to know his schemes. There are so many other things that we could talk about, but for the sake of time, I want to just move on. The Bible says this that also in verse 12. It tells us about knowing our enemy. It's not just the devil, but it's all of those that he has working for him. I'm not going to take the time to get into all of these in detail, but the Bible says this in verse 12, for our struggle, here it is, it's not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil 
in heavenly realms. Do you know that there are spiritual forces of evil today in the heavenlies? That they are all over there doing their best to try to destroy mankind, to try to destroy our world, to try to destroy the society in which we live. Brothers and sisters, the devil does not have a good plan for mankind. He does not do that, but he can't do it by himself because it also the scripture also in, lets us know that he cannot be everywhere present at one time. So he's got to have those who will do his bidding, those who will do as he commands and as he desires, and these rulers and authorities, if they've got an ear that listens, and listen, I want to tell you that it's possible that sometimes the rulers and authorities are not necessarily spiritual forces sometimes they look just like you and me sometimes they are just like you and me they're human beings who are bending their ear to the agenda of hell and brothers and sisters as long as hell has an agenda you and I brothers and sisters have a fight on our hands and we have got to fight a warfare and believe that God is going to come out and we're going to come out on the winning side but there are spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places in the heavenly realms and they are trying to manipulate how this happens and how this goes and how these things begin to work in our world while we Christians sit by and we're worried about getting really deep teaching on this subject or that subject. i, I got to tell you, don't, don't, don't try to be so deep that you, you get in over your head and you can't get out. And you can't see what we're supposed to be doing as a, as a body of believers. Listen, we've, we've got a job to do. We've got to reach out to a lost and a dying world. Take a look around you this morning. Take a look around in the pews. Do you see people filling the pews? No, we've got a job to do. Look around in our city. Do we Have we stamped out homelessness? No. Look around in the world that we live in. Is, 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 you know, is everybody in Chicago a Christian? No, they're not. Brothers and sisters, we've got a job to do. Oh, but I want to hear about this subject. Well, great. Hopefully we can. But let's try to get the basics straight, shall we? Let's try to fight that battle because the enemy tries to distract. There are spiritual forces of wickedness that are trying to pull us away from what the Great Commission has said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's not just for preachers. Amen? One final thing that we've got to know in understanding our conflict. We have to know our expectation. Know your expectation. What you are expected to do. Well, the Bible says this in verse 11. Here is one expectation. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. There it is. Take your stand. The first expectation, we're going to see the next one right in the same verse. But the first one is to be able to take your stand. I want to tell you, we are living in a world that is so forceful, and the enemy is doing his best to come at you in very, very confrontational, forceful kinds of ways. And we have got to take our stand as believers. We cannot back down. We cannot cower in a corner and just say, well, Jesus, I'm just waiting until you come back or I'm, you know, I die and I go to be with you. 
for what? What kind of change will that affect? Can you imagine what would ha- have happened if the, you know, if the disciples, even after the Holy Spirit, it, it, could, it wasn't possible when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Holy Spirit gave them the power to be able to get out into the world and, and change the world. But can you imagine if they just stay there and say, whoo, this is powerful, this is great. Come to my church. Come to the upper room. The upper room ministries. Here it is. You come in here. It's nice in here. It really, you know, it's a great atmosphere. We Christians, we're, we're happy people. No, I'm not coming out there. Oh, no, look, everybody's mad. Look, the Roman soldiers, they're kind of scary, and I've heard that they'll be willing to crucify a few people, so we're just going to stay in here. You come into my church. They didn't do that. No, 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 no. They didn't do that. They went out into the world, and they took their stand. And when they took their stand, the Bible lets us know that they turned the world upside down. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could turn our world upside down? I believe that we still can. I believe that it's possible to have a mighty move of God and a powerful revival that will change the way things are going in our country and in our world. Brothers and sisters, it's not about the politicians. Put them all in a basket and throw them somewhere else. It's about the power of God. It's about what God can do and is able to do. Take your stand. Not only that, the Bible says this in verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. Your expectation is to be wearing the full armor of God. It's not to leave one thing aside because it's inconvenient. It's not to leave one thing aside because you don't... You know, if I had gone out to, to uh, you know, to catch behind home plate and I had left off my shin guards and the coach pulled me aside and said, listen, you know what, you, you better put those shin guards on or you're going to be in trouble. Well, my coach wouldn't have allowed me to do that. Uh, he was old, he's old school kind of guy. But, but if he had, he had done that, if he had actually let me make my own choice and I'd gone out there and the first foul tip came, it would have shattered my knee. I would have been a- not been able to walk probably for the rest of my life. That is how powerful it can be if you don't have the full armor of God. I'm going to leave aside, you know, the, the shield of faith. I'm just, I don't know, you know, you can't leave aside the shield of faith because the shield of faith quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. What's going to happen when those fiery darts hit you? You can't leave anything aside. Your expectation is to be fully, fully equipped. And God has given you everything that you need. There's one final expectation that you've got to know. And it is this, not to fight one another. This is all about knowing who your enemy is, but it's also knowing who your enemy isn't. Your expectation is to know who your enemy is and who it isn't. And when you know who it isn't, your expectation is, I will not fight my brother or my sister. The Bible says this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I won't fight against individuals, even unbelievers in the world. You know what? Don't get into ridiculous kind of arguing with somebody who doesn't know Christ. Don't fight. But instead, your struggle is not with them. If it's an argument, if it's, and I say in a good kind of argument, you're discussing religion, you're discussing Christianity, and they've got views that are against you and against that kind of thing, you don't have to sit there and, 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 and continue to fight because your fight is not with them. It's with the enemy who is controlling their lives. 
you can back away and just say, you know what, we could discuss this another time, but I'm going to pray for you. You know, you can, you can just completely disarm the whole thing, and you can just begin to say, I'm going to pray and believe God, because your fight, your battle is not against them as an individual. Your battle and your fight today is not against a brother or sister in Christ. It's not against that person in, in the building. It's, today, it is against somebody who is powerful that we must respect, but we should never fear. Don't ever fear the enemy. Don't ever be afraid of the devil. I know what Hollywood tries to do. You know, Hollywood tries to exalt the power of the devil in their horror films and all kinds of crazy nonsense. And, and you know, it's always some, some weak kind of religious clergyman who's trying to, you know, fight the devil that, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all dramatic, folks. It's not real. It's not the way it should be. You should never, ever be afraid of the devil. We must respect his power, but know that we've got a power that is on our side that is greater than any power that hell could ever throw against you. Don't ever allow fear to grip you over anything that the enemy tries to bring against you. There is nothing that he can do to you except one thing lie he'll lie to you until Jesus comes back don't ever give in to his lies don't ever believe the lies of the enemy the Bible lets us know that he is a liar and he is the father of all lies so we have to understand our conflict know the energy know the power that we have that dynamite power of the Holy Spirit that is with us We've got to know who that enemy is and what he will try to do. And we've got to know our expectations. To know what it is that God is expecting from all of us. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, more than anything else, and we're going to get into this in another message, that we've got to stand. We have to stand. I want to talk about that in the future, one of the future messages, the last man standing. Because Paul seems to repeat that over and over again just a few times here in a very short amount of time in these passages of Scripture. The point is, you can stand and you will stand. And that is going to be the greatest thing. We will win. We're on the winning side. But while we are on the winning side, we've got to know our enemy. We've got to know what's expected. And we've got to know that this fight is still going on. We can't fall asleep. We can't fall asleep in our battle but let's fight the enemy and know that we're going to win. Can we stand to our feet? And let's just give God praise right now and ask Him for His grace to help us to know how to fight and to win in the battle that we are fighting today. Heavenly Father, today I thank You. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your people, O oh God. I pray, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus that today You would help those who have come into this building, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that Your power and Your glory would come upon us. And that, Lord God, You would help us to keep our eyes fixed on You. That we would focus our attention upon You and what You have provided for us. You have provided something so wonderful and great and profound to help us to live a life that honors You, but also to be able to lift You up in the world that we are living in. So God, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus that You would help us, O oh God, as a church to move forward in Your strength, in Your power, in Your glory, O oh God. Lord, we need you today. And God, I pray for your people 
that you would touch them and you would encourage them. And Lord God, as they go throughout this week, that you would help them to face the enemy and to fight the warfare that they are in and know that they're on the winning side. Lord, we love you. And we're going to give you the praise. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Before you leave this place today, turn to one another Greet each other. It's so good to see you in the house of God today. God bless you.